It's the Paddlewoo Podcast. What's up there, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Paddlewoo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson, and I'm coming to you on a beautiful, blissful day from Costa Rica. Just got off the line with Connor Baxter. We recorded for about an hour. Crazy good episode. Um, you guys are going to really dig it because for about 20 minutes, Connor gives us a detailed overview of his stroke, both on race boards and on surfboards. Um, and I learned some stuff. I've got some stuff that I cannot wait to go try out tomorrow in the water. Maybe this afternoon, but probably not. Most likely tomorrow. Um, what's going on in our world here? Congratulations to Kyle Vaz. Kyle Vaz just took down the Brazilian national championship and if you listen to his episode i thought it was funny that he and ian were joking around about the fact that he was the world champion and had yet to win the national championship in brazil well that just happened so good on you Caio. one of my favorite surfers on the planet that guy's a legend um very cool very happy for him he is also going to be in the new zealand waterman challenge along with connor baxter and a bunch of other incredible athletes which uh precludes him probably from being a part of the progression project too, should that come to fruition. But uh, it's a really good thing for him. So I'm really stoked on that. Uh, the progression project is moving along. We finished going through 20 hours of footage and selecting the best clips. And now it's in the hands of the videographers, the producers. And so hopefully that'll all come out. Pretty stoked that we got some music rights from some, uh, some of my favorite musicians out there. So that'll be pretty incredible. Um, we've got some camps coming up, which are pretty much full for the year, but this last week I had the privilege of working with some folks that I really look up to and that are elite learners and in coaching them, I was able to, I learned probably more than they did over the last five days that we worked together. And I'm really excited about coaching this year. And while I'm not going to be bringing on too many more camps for the year, they're pretty intense to run. I love doing it, but they're pretty intense. I don't want to just be doing that all the time. I will be doing private coaching. And so if you're interested in that, shoot me an email. And basically that is more attention on surfing and the learning curve because it'll be one-on-one or one-on-two if you want to bring down a buddy, but it will not be the logistics included. Um, I'll help you get all that set up but we'll just surf our brains out and then I'll go home to my family at night and uh, we'll do it again in the morning, maybe in the afternoon and we'll review video, break it all down uh, and learn a lot in the process. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, shoot me an email at Eric, E-R-I-K at paddlewoo.com, P-A-D-D-L-E-W-O-O.com. It was fun watching these guys go from uh, level one, level two to level two, level three, maybe, maybe even pushing that a little bit. We're starting, it was, it was really cool. And the systems that we're starting to develop and the way that we're approaching the coaching with uh, the video analysis and then step-by-step learning, it's very systematic. And uh, I'm confident that you'll improve greatly and you'll have a lot to work on when you leave, which is really, uh, you know, it's not about seeing the progress while you're here. It's about going home with the with the uh, the knowledge of what to do and where to head, and then the progression happens over the next week, month, um, and it's just what I experienced in doing the progression project. I mean, I I uh, got to surf with some of the with the world's best for a week, and I think that or two weeks almost. And for those two weeks, I feel like I became a worse surfer. But now, in the last month. Uh, I can tell you that I am surfing better than I've ever surfed in my life. And 99% of that is through modeling the world's best and creating systems for that and breaking down video and really going through that. So if you'd like to be a part of that, it'd be really fun to work with you and uh, shoot me an email and we'll set it up. All right. Uh, On to today's show. Connor Baxter doesn't really need an introduction. Uh, I do think he's an underrated surfer. Uh, the new Padawoo video contest is going to start next week, and I just received his submission today and went and watched that, and it's amazing. Surfing Cloud Break, a little bit of Huntington. Um, kid surfs very good, and no one used to talk about how good he is at paddling. So uh, 
Uh, you'll learn a lot through this podcast. He really gets detailed about his stroke from uh, choking up and how that started and where he puts the emphasis. It's very, it's very similar to the stroke that Eric Goodman talked about on the podcast. I think that was episode five from Foundation Training and someone that I actually just got to work with again for the last week down here in Costa Rica. He came down and uh, helped helped out a little bit this last week. He's uh, probably the most intelligent person I've had the privilege of working with in regards to body movement. Uh, I love the way that he sees things and it fits with my physiology. Uh, and so that's always uh, a good thing. I try to soak up as much as I possibly can from that guy when I get to spend time with him. If you haven't checked out his stuff, uh, foundationtraining.com is the website and it's not going to hurt you. Just go there and uh, take a look at what he does and the hinge techniques that he teaches. Uh, if you are a paddler and you're worried about your back health, if you incorporate the hinge into your paddling, uh, very much like his founder exercise, you will be happy that you did so. So go take a look at that. All right, without further ado, let's jump on this episode. I am uh, stoked to bring it to you. Connor Baxter is the guest, and uh, enjoy. Connor Baxter, thank you very much for being on the Paddle Blue Podcast. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Just uh, waking up in a beautiful day here in Hawaii, and uh, stoked to be on the show today. Thanks, man. Uh, you're in Maui, right? Correct, yeah, here in Maui right now, and uh, just chilling. Right on, and there's a little swell. I was watching sunset here earlier today. How's the swell there? How's the surf? Yeah, the ocean's definitely alive. You got plenty of wind here in Maui, but uh, swell's coming up on a rise, you know. This weekend's coming, going to be <laughs> massive probably, so they say, but uh, we'll see what actually happens. But um, yeah, otherwise, pretty good. So how does that work with the wind there? Everyone talks about Maui being a windy place. Does that mean that it's it's difficult to find surf spots? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's difficult to find surf spots without the so-called Maui glass. You know, our our glassy days are super windy. <laughs> you know, but um, we get those really glassy days and we take advantage even more. But, uh, you know, we have to hit it early. And then the wind picks up, so, you know, a lot of surfers don't surf, but, you know, growing up here, I learned how to wind surf, so would take advantage during that time. And then, of course, <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, when it dies, just try to get back out there, either shortboarding or stand-up. Right on. Now, for the contest this weekend at Jaws, how much will the wind affect it there? I'm, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's going to be gnarly. You know, the wind affects it. A lot. I'm not sure what the exact, you know, wind forecast is looking like, but um, even with, you know, even with not a breath of air out there, as calm as can be, is which never happens. There's still so much like wind that that wall and that big of a wave moves, you know, when it's moving through the water that fast. So it's always difficult. But then you get that, you know, little choppy, little bumpy little air under your board and that's when everyone starts to try to air drop or not try that half to air drop you know on those late takeoffs because there's a little extra wind blowing under your board but all the guys are getting super gnarly so they're just taking off later and later <laughs> under the pit yeah I don't, I don't i don't understand that i i to me it doesn't look like it'd be any fun but uh <laughs> i appreciate watching it for sure um do yeah you do you prefer to be on a stand-up out there or do you prefer to surf prone um, actually the one I'm the most favorite out there is windsurfing by far, but, um, out of those two, it's hard to say, you know, there's different days when I want different equipment, but the standup is definitely, uh, I think open my, you know, I feel like I've gotten a lot more practice out there and caught in probably twice as many ways as I would have maybe on the prone. So it's given me a lot more confidence, you know, out there on, any type of paddling, whether it's stand-up or just regular paddling. But um, there's some days where it's, like, windy, and you actually want to be laying down, and you don't want to be standing up and super choppy. But uh, stand-up, you know, we were racing all year on 12.6s, and then you jump on, like, a 10.4 to 10.0. And, uh, you know, they're pretty fast when you get them up and going, you know, once you're planing. And, uh, of course we've been racing, so we can paddle them super fast. So we see the wave first, we get there first and then we're on it and we're already standing up. So it's definitely a lot easier and, <laughs> you know, it definitely boots your confidence out there for sure. 
Right on. So now on a windsurfer out there, if you do fall, how much do you have to worry about all your gear? Because that looks horrendous. Um, basically, if you fall, you basically just want to try to fall as far away from your rig and don't even think about it because it's going to be destroyed. <laughs> the whole thing is just done, Fubar. Done, yeah. I've, I've eat it, eaten it once out there windsurfing, and I'm pretty sure just my board survived. Like, the whole rig got ripped and dis like this attached from the board and the board popped up and survived and then the rig sank. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's get things started off with, let's start. I always like to do a little history to paint the picture. Uh, let's start with how you first got on a stand up paddleboard. Cause you were young when it happened. I mean, Zane was on the show and so he included you cause I, I guess some of the journey, you and Zane did together there. Um, so, no, our lives have been a journey together back in windsurf days. Of course, his grandfather invented that, but we used to travel a bunch for windsurfing. We were like traveling when I was like 11 and he was 12 out of the country. We have the same birthday. So we've been, we've been like a uh, part of this adventure that's still going, you know, still continuing, just starting. So, so let me ask you this. I just got to spend a couple of weeks with Zane. I love the guy. Uh, love the guy. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. However, it seems to me, and let me know because you've spent a lot more time with him than I have, that he's always just a little bit away from basically killing himself. The guy is like, he's a maniac, right? <laughs> is, that, is that accurate? Uh, accurate, very accurate. <laughs> I actually have too many stories where I thought he died. So he, uh, he's a great, but he pushes it, you know? It's just like he, he wants to get the best wave or he wants to do the sickest backflip off of a cliff or he, he's just pushing life which you know there's some of those guys and that's why he's like you know doing stuff that no one else other people would do you know but uh sometimes he has accidents just like everyone <laughs> he rented and destroyed two quads <laughs> down here <laughs> oh i think i heard about it <laughs> the first one he flipped and then the second one didn't have brakes but that didn't slow him down at all and just couldn't no, make no. a corner yeah. straight into the woods <laughs> the oh, funny part God. about it was and I, he's gonna come on the show here soon we're gonna talk about all these adventures but uh <coughs> one of the really funny ones was like the quad wouldn't start the next day like so the people he rented it from were coming to pick it up and as they're coming to pick it up they he, like he was still in the process of super gluing pieces back on the thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds like all my adventures with him just different a little bit <laughs> right on so when did you first hop on a stand-up yeah well i mean the first time ever was probably when i was like i want to say 10 or 11 just way back my dad cut a kayak paddle and then just glued a t-top on this aluminum thing and then i went on his longboard and caught a few waves and like you know i didn't fall in love with it right away but it was like right when laird was kind of doing it back in the day over here but i was on such a big board the paddle was heavy and then I was like, oh, okay, I'll catch a few waves. And, okay, I want, I want my short board. <laughs> I want to go on a smaller board, you know. And then it wasn't until, like, probably 13, 14 when, you know, the board actually, the surfboard that came was, like, you know, super small, like an 8.0 at the time. And I was just like, whoa, this is crazy, you know. started kind of doing longboard, hanging five, helicopters, still doing the turns, and you're catching waves easier. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then – um being in Maui, you know, there's the windy days and maybe not any wa uh, waves during the summer. So you're like, oh, I don't really want to windsurf. And, you know, that's what Laird had started doing, you know, the upwind, downwinds. But we figured let's get a ride up and paddle down and catch the swells. And uh, that's what everyone was doing at the time. And my dad would take me and do that. And first few times didn't know how to catch all the bumps or read the bumps perfectly. But uh, um, started learning more and catching them and that's kind of when it clicked and especially for the racing side of things you know i was like whoa this is i'm surfing 10 miles down the coast basically and yeah i fell in love right on and then when did you see it become a sport when when did you actually think like hey this is a way i could you know make my life yeah 14 um, 14 how old are you now so you can get an idea of 21 time. 21 okay yeah when I was 14, but, um, I mean, up until that time I was full time traveling with Zane for all the kids and the youth world cups for windsurfing and racing on formula race gears and 
going to a few of the PWA, being some of the youngest kids to enter in the PWA, like the bit like against all the the pros and stuff and just enter in one heat and get smoked, but still try and then do the kids events. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, so I was like kind of in, in the, you know, trying to decide, but it was actually what really turned it was, uh, the one summer, the Maui to Molokai, the one, the first one I won at 14 years old, it was just like, Whoa, I beat like some of the, these people that I looked up to for so long, like Dave and Ecolu and, some of these people that I'm just like, what, what just happened? I'm like, I don't know how this happened. And it was like, okay, if I'm beating these guys, I got a check for like $4,000 and I was 14. I was just didn't know what to do. And I was just like, this is it. Like windsurfing didn't do any, it didn't get a prize. Wasn't beating the older guys. So yeah, it was trick crazy. What do you attribute that victory to? Is it better technique? Did you get lucky? I mean, where, Um, how how did you win that race? For sure. Everything was just in my favor, I guess. But uh, a lot of training, you know. I mean, before that, it was I think you know paddling with uh, some of the guys that were really the, in the beginning. You know, if you think about downwind, it was uh, Mark Raphorse, Livio, Scott Trudon, Alan Cadiz. These guys were like crazy. They were so fast downwind because they had such good equipment, and that's another thing. Did but, they come uh, from like an OC background? Was it OC one? <laughs> Or did they just hop um, on paddleboard? They were paddlers, paddlers beforehand. Some of, yeah, some of them were. Some of them were doing six man. Some of them, like Mark Rapworth, he's the guy that kind of who started SIC all the downwind race boards. But he was just this crazy mad scientist that was just loved to try things, and he was doing some of the lightest canoes, four man racing canoes, and then he started doing stand up boards and just made these boards that were just absolutely unreal, just flew downwind and like really now you're really surfing you're actually going over bumps down the next and over the next and like catching real swells and not these little chops like in the beginning when we're on like surfboards going downwind and then uh yeah so that's part of it and then of course i mean my parents i mean having my dad being my escort he's grown up born and raised in oahu and just grown up uh sailing boats and windsurfing all between all the channels paddling them so he knows all those channels real well i mean we have property on molokai as well so he would always be the guy driving us over for you know the weekend to go camp out and uh then of course just uh yeah i think he just got me on the right line i remember he called it was so far in front that uh, I was like, okay, it's over. He won, he won, he won. But it was so windy, and I was farther in that when we kind of like saw where the finish line was, and we were both kind of far out because of the wind direction. And my dad's like, keep fighting in, but it was like bumps running perfect in that like a little bit, you know, straighter downwind. But the finish line, you had to kind of like surf in towards the beach. It was offshore basically. And uh, he just kept telling me to fight in, fight in, fight in. And then finally we had to actually turn. And then I was like caught up because I was farther in. And then when he, cause he had to paddle more side on and I just snuck in around the corner and I was smaller, I guess too, <laughs> you know, so fighting <laughs> less wind upwind. Yeah. Less wind resistance. I had a smaller board too. I had a 14 foot, not a huge, like unlimited board, you know, and somehow snuck around the corner and won. And I was just like, what just happened? You know? And, before that battling with Dave, I was like, what, how am I up against these guys? You know, like, and then it was just like, okay, this is what I want to do. I wish racing continued to just be downwinding. Now it's a a (laughs) crazy thing. Now I have to fight against like Danny and Travis guys, but you know, Uh, it's all fun. It's all a revolution. Is that your most memorable victory? For sure. Still to this day. I mean, that's one of them. I mean, that's cause it started the, it clicked, you know, there, but, uh, Molokai the first year was incredible too because that's like home and just like I feel like a lot of honor in that race just because you know ancestors that lived here in Hawaii paddled those channels you know and that race has been going on for so long right on um and now you spend a lot of time on the surfboard too how do you balance training for racing and your love of surfing um I basically just keep it like that train for racing and love surfing you know I don't it's it's hard, you know, because I love competing at such a high level. But, you know, like, I think uh, 
you know, my girlfriend says it the best, you know, the one out there, the one having the most fun out there is actually the best surfer. And that's kind of what surfing was. That's how I got into it. That's how I got into this whole sport, being a waterman, all that. So just try to keep it fun. And when the conditions are right, just go and try to rip. Right on. I just got to, so the second video contest, paddle video contest kicks off here very soon. Videos are due. Yeah. Uh, and I just got to check out. I think I'm trying to send, send mine in. I, I watched it. I've got it. I watched yeah, right it. On. It's beautiful. It right is, on. uh, you're an underrated surfer. I think, uh, I think you're a really <laughs> good you. surfer and the video is good. Where'd you shoot that? It looks like some cloud break in there. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was actually in Fiji for two weeks and, uh, didn't get. I was I was hoping for the eight to ten foot no one out cloud break, but we got the four foot at the biggest cloud break with fifty people out. So oh it was hard to manage. But I was jumping back and forth from the shortboard when they'd get eggy. But otherwise, I'd just go on the stand up and catch it way farther out and be like turning where everyone's taking off and pulling in, and then you know finishing the wave. It was just like, come on, guys. Um, and and no one knew how to surf was the worst part. Like all the guys were just. There's a handful that knew what they're doing. The rest were just buoys in the way. Uh, and how was the vibe though? There, you said it got a little bit got a little bit weird at times, but oh, for sure. I know there's like it was fifty fifty. There's the guys that I think were just jealous because me and my friend Riggs Napoleon were ripping maybe harder than them and getting barreled more and getting the best waves. Yeah, Riggs. And then there's right. the other. Yeah, he he rips too. And then, uh, then of course, there's the other 50%. They're like, whoa, how big is your board? How are you doing this? You guys are ripping. <laughs> yeah. What you know, were you so riding out like, there? What do you I ride? was on my 7-1 starboard, the in Zane model. So you ride the 7-1. What do you weigh? I, I, I got to check out Zane's board here. That's a tiny yeah. little board, man. What do you tiny weigh? Tiny board. I weigh 155. Okay. So you're a little bit lighter than, than, uh, yeah. than like Sean. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm just lengthy so it's a little awkward zane's a little more grounded but i try <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's a good board i just bought off of sean when he was down here the his new uh seven four surfs yeah. really good i weigh like 180 though so i sink that pretty good but it's a fun board for sure yeah i know i just uh actually uh starboard container just came in with my six nine by 23 hypernut it's uh-huh. like 69, 69 liters, the ones in. I don't know if he had it down there. He did. He pulls into some really big, or not big, I mean, but like, you know, double overhead kind of beach break barrels on that thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. So I just got that and tried it for the first day. It was ridiculous. I like sink it to my knees, but it pops up so easy. And then once you're on the wave, it's just, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's just scary. You have so much speed and you're just like, okay, now I'm going to, Try some crazy stuff. Yeah, that's kind of what it looked like watching him surf. He surfed it probably three days, four days of the trip. Yeah. Um, and it looks like it goes real good. I apologize about the dog bark in there, if you guys can hear that listening. I got a new puppy driving no me nuts, but, but it's awesome. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, all right, so you're riding the 7-1. Do you step it up to the 7-4 on bigger days? Yeah, I do use the Sim 4 for sure on bigger days. And then, of course, we have uh, a couple in the making, you know, some semi-guns for sunset and stuff like that. Okay, gotcha. And and so with, with Starboard, like uh, Sean had down a bunch of prototype boards yeah. testing for 2017. Do you guys all get the same prototype boards? Does he make like, you know, five, six of those and send them out to everybody for you guys to try them out? So basically, we uh, we do yeah share share testing, and uh, Zane has the smaller boards which I can jump on and help him with, and then Sean has the bigger ones which um, the seven four works really well for me, and um, he's been testing I think the seven seven that might be coming out. So we all kind of just share the testing, and then there's of course other people, Ben Wall, other starboard guys that will come every now and then and help out with the testing and. Uh, I focus a lot on the race testing as well. That's, uh, you know, mostly what I'm going over to Thailand and doing. But when Zane brings over a stack of prototypes to test, I don't say no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you drop any details on that 7.7? Do you know how that board's going to change? Um, I'm not positive, actually. But, um, you know, back in the day when it was like, at first, Zane's board, it was like funny. We had the 8 and then Zane got that 7-7. We're just like, what the heck? It's so small, you know, like <laughs> tripping out. And then uh, and then um, 
you know, it was at the time one of the smallest board, one of my favorite ones. And then we got the 7.4, and then that was Zane's board, and that was even smaller. Now it's just, it's getting more and more ridiculous. But, um, yeah, the 7.7 7 should be getting a uh, few refinements and looking like the other boards, but just those dimensions, which are actually um, were one of my favorites, you know, for those little overhead days, a little bigger, you want to get in easier, you know? Yeah. You know, a, a lot of the guys that I've talked to on the show um, and outside of actually the show, a lot of the feedback I get from emails is folks want to see boards for bigger guys that are still real high performance. Because right now the 7.7, seven, yeah. seven, seven, I mean, there's a huge difference between the 7.4 and the 7.7 seven, seven in, in seven. performance. Yeah. 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 And so to see sure. that 7.7 seven, seven become more performance-focused, uh, would be great. Yeah. I mean, you got to hide the volume a little bit, but that knows, you know, if you could taper that a little bit, I'm sure that's the way it's going. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping too. I haven't actually seen that one yet, but um, they just got back from Thailand, or Zane just did, and Sean and Justin Holland were all there testing some boards. So I would imagine that that's going to be uh, something coming out in the near future for sure. Right on. And it looks like Justin's back in the water, which is awesome. Really awesome. Yeah, that guy's a legend. Frotha. Yeah. That's that's actually one of my favorite shows was him coming on to talk about he just basically tells the story of his wipeout for an hour and fifteen yeah, minutes. Yeah, that was awesome. Cracks me up, man. That guy's a legend. Um, sure. All right, let's jump in. We're gonna bounce around a little bit here, but no worries. I've got you on the show and you are the fastest paddler in the world, pretty much. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about your stroke because it's something like, and, and this is something I don't talk about much on the show because it's all pretty much surfing focused, but I find a lot of beauty in paddling. And one of the reasons that I love the sport so much is the, I don't know, for lack of a better word, like the Zen, like uh, feeling of just paddling a really small board. I like paddling really small boards because your mind can't focus on other things. Uh, I like that feeling of kind of that, you know, oh, like you have to send, yeah, it's just like some certain things you have to focus all on that and just on that place and your mind's not everywhere else. Exactly. And it's not even almost, it's just like keeping an open mind or an empty mind really. And yeah, empty is what it is for yeah. sure. I mean, so many times I'll be paddling, uh, one of my smaller boards and someone will say something to me and it just breaks yeah. my concentration. I fall over, you Foot know, and fall. Yeah. And so I yeah. love that, and I absolutely love paddling. And I want to talk, you know, at length here in pretty in, in, in good detail about how you approach paddling, your ideas on the stroke, foot placement, uh, and all of that. So, talk about your stroke. Talk about how you've trained it. Talk about what sensations you're trying to uh, to accomplish in the paddle. How do you approach paddling? Yeah, I mean, first thing I like to say, I mean. It's hard, too, because everyone's so different, you know, length of arm, size, body weight, everything like that, you know. So when I was, like, first starting paddling, because I came from windsurfing, I did not have a background in OC or any of that kind of stuff. So I just jumped on a board and paddled, you know. <laughs> it didn't really, like, I didn't have any technique and actually had kind of started having back problems really, like, early. And I had to really focus on getting better technique and stuff. But I found, you know little bits and pieces from everyone's technique and watching and talking to everyone kind of helps, you know, and, uh, what works for me might not work for some people. And same thing, like Dave Kalama, his stroke is nuts. Danny Ching, they're all super strong. But when I try their stroke, like I can have perfect form, everything, but I'm not going to be going as fast as them because I'm not as strong. So I need to do, you know, more cardio and doing two or three strokes in a sense, you know, but I know how to get into a grind when you're in your own train and, you know, really extend, you know, having the feet placement perfect and really just, like you said, zen out and get into this rhythm. And that's what it is, rhythm. And it doesn't matter if you're hitting every five seconds or every 10 seconds, you know, you want to find that rhythm. And uh, that's a real important thing first, you know, just learning about that and, you know, I like I said, fourteen was when I really started getting into it, and that's and now I'm twenty one. So I've been paddling for a while, you know, seven years. So it's come over time, and uh, I can't just be a nobody. But if you have a background in OC or any type of canoe paddling, and uh, you know, you'll jump on it very quick. You know, just like Danny and Travis guys, they took big advantage of that. And, uh, you know, they're dominating in the flat water. When it comes out to straight up grind, 
you know, like this year at Molokai, that that's those guys are gnarly. So let's start with foot position. Um, talk first foot position on a race board, and then how that differs for when you're riding your small surfboard. Yeah, um, two pretty much completely different stances, you know, especially for me being on a seven one, which I kind of sink a little bit, and then uh, the twelve six, which you know floats me perfect. Um, I've messed around with all different, you know, keeping my feet perfectly parallel. And, uh, you know, that feels pretty comfortable for me. And then I've, you know, raced against Danny so many times. Every time he switches, so if he's paddling on the left side, his left foot is back. But it's not like step back. It's just like his toes are probably at his right foot's heels, if you know what I'm saying. You know, it's just that one little scooch back. And what that's going to allow is a little bit more twist in the whole body and to be a lot more comfortable. And uh, I've tried messing around with that, and um, I've definitely found a lot more power on my left side because that's my power side, actually opening up the shoulders, opening up the, you know, the hips like that. And then a straight-up sprint, you know, like I'll take my first starts, you know, for instance, beach starts, all that kind of stuff. I'll take actually a more staggered start like that or stance like that and start off like that, and it gives me more – I feel like sometimes more balance, a little staggered. But gotcha. um, for the most part, you know, flat water, you're definitely just parallel for me and uh, head down and grinding. <laughs> when, when, and so I watched uh, the Pacific Paddle Games uh, pretty obsessively um, just because I just love kind of watching the differences in technique and the whole thing. And one thing I noticed in Danny's stroke, because I was watching that, and so when he's on his, I guess he's probably surfs goofy footage. Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because it looked like he would keep his left foot a little bit back, or whichever side it was, and then he would move. He would move every time he switched sides. Every time. But one side he paddles parallel, and then the other side he paddles more in like a, a, a very short staggered surf stance. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's what I was mentioning. So he he does approach approaches stroke like that, which I like. I said I've tried and actually. For some power strokes, you know, really does help. And then it's hard, too, you know, because, you know, you do a sprint, you do a long distance, you do a downwind. They're all going to be completely different techniques. And, you know, a a sprint, basically, I break it down as a sprint. Everyone's going to have their own technique. That's I came up with the choke stroke to get my power hand, my the power source less leverage down to the energy, you know, like, uh, for instance, canoe, their hand is going underwater every time there's no leverage. It's all pure power, you know, it's all power. And that's how I've found to get more power and, you know, dodge a little bit of wind, <laughs> you know, that's how it came about, you know, paddling up wind. I was like, huh, I'm going to squat down a little bit, but then I had to kind of tweak that. And instead of hinging more doing squats in a sense, mm-hmm and kind of dropping the butt back and squatting down and twisting, planting, and then standing up and actually kind of hopping up. So when I'm going for my next stroke, I'm real light on my board, real light on my toes, that if there is any chance of gliding, you know, board's going to glide. Gotcha. And uh, starboards, you know, really help that too, you know, like especially with me being, the, you know, testing and doing a lot of this stuff, you know, they really like that hop to get up on a plane real quick and easy. So a quick sprint will get it up on that plane and then you can sit back and then start getting into your, like I like to say, Dave Kalama stroke, you know, really hinging at the hips, twisting, opening up, and then just firing your hips forward and uh, bringing your hips to your hand, not your hand to your hips. Just when that, when you stand up, that's what that energy is going to do. And you're actually light on your fingers you don't, that's how you, you're going to get pain in your elbows and your forearms. If you're squeezing your blade and your handle, you don't want to do that. Do you, you don't finger, want to, do you fingertip grip or do you hold it with your whole hand? Like on a surfboard, I, I tend to kind of just use my fingertips, <laughs> wax my paddle, just use my fingertips. Yeah. I like to use my whole hand Okay. just so I can re- actually relax my fingertips Gotcha. and uh, keep a relaxed arm. Cause I feel like if I'm holding with my fingertips, I'm still using a little stress in the forearm and using a little bit of muscle. So if I just have it kind of locked there and then I can almost relax my fingertips and just make that locked and just fire the hips. Gotcha. Do you fire the hips the same? So 
taking a step back just a minute, I, I, Eric Goodman of Foundation yeah. Training just spent a week down here with us. And that guy is a movement genius. He's one of the most intelligent people I've ever gotten a chance to work with in regards to body mechanics. And so I had this uh, group of elite learners here, um, and it was a really fun week dedicated to them progressing in, in stand-up paddle surfing. And uh, two years ago, I worked with Eric in regards to stroke technique, and then he was down here again, and, and we spent a lot of time together. And his whole thing is that for for body mechanics and uh, for durability of your body, you, you need to put your stroke almost 100% in your hamstrings and glutes and drive your stroke from, from that hinge. And your arms are basically just the conduit for the power. Yeah. Is that the same exactly. way that you approach the stroke? Yeah, it's, um, it's crazy going a little back to, you know, like I've been having problems with this shoulders back, everything, because I've been, I mean, if you look, um, this year I think I did 19 races or something, 18 races, and uh, last year did 27 races. So I've been just hammering into my body, just been feeling it for sure. And so I took a step back and I actually met up with this guy from Canada, just um, got very lucky to meet meet him and uh, just happened to happen, you know, one of those things. And uh, he works with like NFL guys and just some of the big league baseball players. I don't even know. You're saying some crazy names and uh, I don't follow them, so I don't really remember. But uh, he uh, was telling me, you know, he fixed baseball players' shoulders from telling them instead of throwing from your arm and your shoulder, imagine that's locked and you're throwing from your hip and your abs and right. just throwing it across. And so he was, I told he didn't know much about paddling. So I kind of told him a little bit what I knew and showed him how I paddle. And he's just like, Oh, it makes so much sense. You know, and he's like, when you're paddling, you want to create something like you're paddling on your left side and you want to create almost a cross from the other hip to the shoulder that you're using the top shoulder and just hammer it down. And then I went and worked with Dave Kalama and uh, same thing, you know, he teaches that stroke. And uh, it's just all in the hips and the abs. And then the shoulders and everything else are just there. Light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's crazy because, you know, and for me, for racing, the first things that start to go sometimes are, you know, the shoulders. And, you know, I could be relying on my glutes and my abs, which are the two biggest muscles actually in our body and actually have the most blood stored in that lower abdomen to glutes and, you know, thighs part. Yeah. Um, the one thing that Eric is kind of warning me about for future back health is you use your ab, what his, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of re, just re, re, uh, just telling what, what, what he's been working with me on. And that is yeah. you use your abs, but your abs should not contract at the end of your stroke because by your abs contracting at the end of the stroke, it puts a lot of pressure on your lower spine. And so your abs, your, your torso should stay tall throughout not crunch at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how that would work in regards to speed. His whole take on it is you'll be able to paddle a lot longer and you'll have less back problems if you do this. Yeah. I mean, when you're, you're coming up, finishing your stroke, cause you want to be releasing your, your paddle pretty much right at your feet and yep. your ankles and you're releasing it and standing straight up, you know? So yeah, it makes sense to kind of give your abs a break and kind of elongate everything and then crunch back down into this, or not crunch, but, you know, set your hips back. Right. And then pull back up. Gotcha. That's a, all right. So now, how do you approach paddling on a surfboard you sink? Yeah. What are your, what's your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, that's, that's the hard part. You know, I've been really aware, like I've been saying, of my back and my back issues. So a lot of my boards that I sink, you know, I'm, I'm in surfer stance. I have left foot back goofy footed so i'm i'm pretty much you know pretty good step back but you know toe is still pointing forward trying to plane like that but then i found when i go to switch sides because i mean i could paddle all day on my left side probably just because i have it down i can do the you know control my nose where it goes all on my left side i don't need to but i want to keep everything even you know when i go to paddle on the other side it's a really harmful twist with that right foot forward or if you're, you know, the other side, you know, if you have left foot forward and right foot back and you're paddling on the left side, it's a really harmful twist on your back and everything. So I've been really trying to focus on going either if I'm going to paddle on uh, my right side, I'll go to parallel or I'll even actually step 
and go into switch stance and paddle like that. Yeah. That's actually what I've been working on a lot lately too, is, is just learning to paddle switch stance because when I paddle, yeah, it's very useful. Yeah. You know, and I paddle probably 80% of the time surf shortboard 20% of the time, but I've realized that you know, I'm paddling 80% on my front, on my toe side, at least, yeah. you know, and that's, that's it's terrible problem. for you. Terrible. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, yep. you can, everyone paddles on that one side all day. <laughs> yep. All day long. If you're on a small stand up, everyone knows. And, uh, yeah, so that's why I try to go into parallel stance and really, I, I even zen out and try to count, you know, like, okay, I'm doing four strokes on each side. I'll even try to do, you know, five or six on the side that I'm normally not paddling on and then four on the other side just gotcha. to try to even it out. Now, especially with training on a race board, I try to do that even more. Yeah, I can see that. What what are your techniques then for staying uh, true, straight on a smaller board? Yeah, that's hard. It's, you know, you just got to get into the, you know, I like to, of course, I'll start on, of course, my left side in that, you know, staggered stance, get up onto a plane and then just, you know, try to have the best balance. There's not much technique. I just put my feet parallel and you know, of course, get low, but I don't, I make sure my knees are not going in. That's very bad. You don't, that's, you can destroy your knees by doing that. So make sure they're going straight over your feet, if anything, a little out. But of course, we're paddling, so it's a little hard to have them out. But uh, just be conscious of that and then um, just keep paddling hard. <laughs> you know, and even if you haven't done switch stance, even taking like a half little baby step in that opposite side going into switch stance you'll feel a lot more comfortable and just start playing around with that. Yeah. It, well, what about paddling straight? Like as far as keeping your direction on point, what, uh, what's your stroke technique for that? Yeah. Well, of course I, like I said, I can paddle on the left side all day. It's just that normal J stroke. So if you're starting, um, or a rainbow, if you're starting, you know, on your left side, you kind of paddle towards your nose and then back down your rail. And it looks like a J. Gotcha. So it's like, or, you know, a really weird one, but, you know, straight towards your nose and then straight back. Gotcha. That's and you some... can do that on that on any side, if, depending if you paddle on your left side or your right side, you know, you can, with that stroke, you can stay on one side all day. Yep. And then, of course, my board's super small. So if even if I do like a backwards, like rainbow stroke from my tail to my nose, I'm like turned around pretty much like that. And then one more J stroke and then a forward stroke. I can turn my board around just paddling on that one side either way, both ways, left or right. That gives me something to work on here. That's interesting. I'm trying to visualize that right now. So, so yeah, if you're like going for a wave and you're paddling out and I'm paddling on my left side and I want to go right, you know, instead of like, sometimes of course I'll switch, but then I've had too many times where I'm like paddling out and then I'm kind of going at an angle and I'll switch over to my right side. So kind of paddling at that weird, awkward twist and dropping in. Right. Kind it's, of I don't sideways like almost. Yep. And then you're, your paddle's on the wrong side. And so you don't have anything to brace yourself. And you all, I, I feel like I fall most of the time. So I'll go paddle up and then I'll take a couple J strokes and maybe take one more rainbow backwards rainbow stroke. So from my tail to my nose and switch it a little bit more and then a J stroke and then depending on where I am, how I am, you know, how many strokes I have to take is always different. That would be wonderful to have a little video of that. I don't know if you've got anything, but, uh, but I'm going to go out there tomorrow and try to figure that one out. Yeah. I'm tripping on that a little bit right now. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. Thank you. Um, all right, let's talk about the Pacific paddle games this year because that was impressive. Um, the, was that a planned, uh, so for folks who don't know, you, how long was that race? How many kilometers was the race you won? Um, the distance one? Yep. Yeah, I think it kilometers. I'm not sure. I think it was six miles or seven miles or something like that. I didn't have a GPS on my, uh, or I did, and I forget, forgot to start it. <laughs> but I uh, always do that. I'm like too amped up, too ready for the race, and I forget to start it. But uh, um, I think it was like six or seven miles. Normally it's uh, 10 miles, you know down and back i think it was we did uh two two laps and they're both like three a little over three miles okay and for folks who didn't watch it i don't know if that's still up on the pacific paddle games website but that'd yeah, be fun to sure. go fun to go back and watch and also fun to watch yeah. mo's race too because 
Mo crazy. Kicks, yeah, that was amazing. That was really cool. I was happy for That's him. That's how to do it. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. But so in your race, you hung back. I don't know. How far How far did you say that you were off the pack there until that last sprint or off the lead until that last sprint? Um, for the, the distance race? Yeah, for the distance race. Yeah. I wish I could say I was hanging back for fun. No, I, I just – it was – it was a crazy race. It was one of those days. It was just like, what happened was like, I kind of start, when we started, we went and everyone was, you know, it was just, everyone was next to each other and breaking off slowly. And I just had my head down and I was drafting Slater Trout. And, uh, so we were just hammering going and we ended up being just me and Slater in this one train and everyone else was behind, you know, I guess you could say the 405 and the I-5, you know, Danny and Travis. (laughs) And they just had the biggest trains behind them. And then uh, coming into that horseshoe buoy turn down there by uh, Beach Road, where uh, kind of that fancy neighborhood started, uh, they uh, took that left turn. And like I said, I-5 and 405 just merged together. And it was chaos. Just I got so thrashed. I pretty much got pushed straight back into like 20th, I think, coming around that turn. It just happened so quick, you know, and uh, took that second lap. Just, okay, I got to I got to think about this or. Yeah. So I just I I knew I had to get up there before that turn again, because otherwise that would happen again. So I just caught my breath, hung out in like 20th, I think, 18th, 20th, turned the two buoys up back at the start line and then. there's little bumps running and then everyone was in a train. So there's even more little bumps on the side of everybody. And I was just like now or never and just put my head down and hammered back up to like Mo and Mo and I were probably in like eighth or something like that. And then coming into the buoy, I just did the same thing. I just hammered up past everyone and then kind of turned the buoy in like fourth and I uh, just hung on to that train to the end and just put my head down. I was like, okay, hey, this is it. I'm back up. I'm in the game. And, uh, just hung on and actually kind of Danny guys started breaking away because we had, you know, a train of us and I was just like not letting it happen and just kept on trying to push back up and uh, turn that buoy and somehow, I don't know how, but uh, caught a little bump and it got me past everyone a little bit. And then I caught that wave and no one else caught it. And then Danny was the farthest one in because he turned the buoy and just hammered and me and him had it. And, uh, you know, not to be cocky or anything. I just got on that wave. We looked at each other. And I was like, had a few running races with Danny. And I just was like, felt feeling pretty confident with my longer legs and stuff. And uh, I just got a huge boost of energy. And when we're coming in, there's this huge backwash coming out at us. And I kind of got pushed up a little bit before and he kind of paddled over it. But then it got me like this huge boost in front of him when we hit this like actual shore rake. And uh, I hit the sand and he was still like on the wave, you know, because he had to like wait for the wave to kind of catch back up to him and push him again. And uh, yeah, I hit the beach, ran up and was super stoked, you know, like winning uh, a race like that with that many good people was insane. It was, uh, you know, one of the harder races and it was in the waves. It wasn't, um, you know, throw the dice and see who catches the wave and doesn't get eaten alive by the group or (laughs) in the mosh pit. And uh just, uh, yeah, I felt really confident booster and going into the sprints was feeling great. And then the surf was just bombing. So it's just even more fun and more amping. Oh, it's sick. It was, that was actually really fun to watch. I'm, so I'm 99.9% on the surfing side of this whole sport. Uh, I've actually never, never stepped on a race, <laughs> Keep board, it that way. which is funny. <laughs> I've never yeah, stepped on one. <laughs> it's really, they're both really fun, but if you're already doing surfing, just stick with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it really looks I like the uh, I really like the look of the technical like the surf races. I think that's that's pretty cool, pretty fun. The distance yeah, stuff. Yeah, I hate running, yeah. I hate endurance sports. Like if I'm yeah. you know, I was a swimmer and if it was more than 100 meters, then I was out. Yeah. Um Yeah, no, that that's that stuff is where, you know, it's kind of a game changer for the sport, you know, it really makes it what we need as any sport, whether you're you know, whatever you're playing, how freaking poker's uh, on, you know, ESPN or whatever, you know, it's like, we need spectators. And that's the one where we get the most following, the most people down there, the most entertainment, I think. And I guaranteed no one really rewatched the distance race that much. Whereas I bet the replays on the course race is, you know, you could think of a number <laughs> pretty big, you know? 
Oh yeah, I mean the carnage. Connor, it's that the other Connor, but but yeah, yeah, Connor, the other Connor got messed up. Yeah, that was he hammered uh, though. He was doing really good as well. Yeah, like he's a cool kid. Um, And I thought that it was really cool how Mo lost. I don't think it was cool that Mo lost, but in Huntington there. that was a bad beat that Mo took, right? Like he yeah. had that race and then that just really unlucky bump for him came through and Kai won. Yeah. And then it was kind of funny cause it's just like, he went out there and was just like, I'm not going to let anything happen on me. this one. Yeah. This is, this is it. And just beat that, caught that wave and just stayed in front. Yeah. Beat everybody to that buoy. That was the, that's the impressive. It's fun to watch him paddle little boards too. Like getting to surf with him oh. a bunch down here. That's ridiculous. Little race boards is little race boards is little surfboards. Yeah. He's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't figured out how he actually does that yet. Cause it's, uh, it doesn't seem like the physics should work. No, right. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um, how much does it take out of you to do the surf race and then the distance race in a weekend? I mean, is it a point where if you really want to dominate in one of the sports, you have to, you have to pick whether or not you're going to, you're going to focus on the, the surf or the, the distance? Um, I mean, yeah, definitely the both take out of you. Luckily they're, it's a different, you know, tired, you know, whereas the distance it's like the next day you feel it, you're sore, you know, but we're training all year for this. So, you know, we're, we're not uh, affected by it, I don't think. I think we both can, or everyone can still do both and uh, be fine, I guess. But uh, the sprints, you know, it's more, you know, you're, when you hit the beach, you're like out of breath and you're breathing, you need some water. And then you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes of breathing. You're like, okay, let's do it again. Let's go. Yeah. Do you monitor your heart rate during distance races? Yeah, for sure. I have a, a GPS um, on my wrist and, uh, I don't look too close to it and don't rely on it too much just in case, you know, you don't really want that out there. You want to just go on stealing, you know? So for training, I've used it a lot and really like kind of monitored everything and stuff like that. What, but, uh, what do you try to maintain during a distance race as far as heart rate goes? It just depends, you know, um, you know, anywhere from 143 to 180, you know, 143 really relaxing in the draft train to 180, you know, 200, like I'm at the finish line, I'm going to beat everyone. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty amazing. You know, so anywhere, an average, you know, in between that is a really good average just to try to keep. But, um, those are like kind of a couple numbers I, I look at. How long can you maintain, you can maintain that 140, 150 heart rate for a long time then I guess. (laughs) 140, 150 is, yeah, that's in the draft train. We can go 10, 10 miles and then be ready for the 180 to 200 sprint at the end. That's impressive. Yeah. That's super impressive. All right, let's bounce back to surfing. Um, you did cloud break for a while, and we talked about that. You still there? Yeah, yeah, still there. Uh, okay, it sounded like I dropped you there. Um, you did cloud break for a bit. What are your favorite surf spots around the world? Hard one. I've uh, yeah. been very, very, very fortunate. You know, um, kind of in the beginning day, we did that. Really fun surf trip uh, to Indonesia to the Mentawars with Dave Kalama, Jamie Mitchell, Chuck. You know, we had some of the legends like those guys. And then we had. That was H2 course, Indo, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we had Slater, myself, Talia, and uh, Dave Bainey. And uh, that was just an incredible trip. I was just tripping out down there, you know, on a boat, drive to any spot. And, uh, you know, you go have like a little snack, go Dawn Patrol, come back, you order your breakfast, eggs right on the boat. So it's insane. That's but, um, you know, Greenbush, I mean, getting real more particular and, you know, Greenbush was the spot. Goofy footer. Um, we got there. No one was out. And uh, all the other guys were regular footed except for me and Dave Bainey's. But um, I got out there first and got a few such insane just like is this even real? Like getting barreled, coming out, getting barreled, and then just coming out on the inside. And then a couple of getting ragdolled on the reef and getting stuck on the inside and thinking, you know, okay, this is it. I'm going to go in after this, but then, you know, surviving it and going back out and, uh, getting another, even better one, bigger one. Yeah. That was the best, uh, that was the best part of the movie for sure. Oh, thank you. It was that section. Yeah. I've heard, I haven't surfed there, but I've heard that wave has a lot of consequence. It's a pretty shallow region. Um, no, it's, it's, yeah, 
You, if you if you just make the takeoff and make at least like around you know or in around the first like section, uh, you're pretty solid. You know, you're definitely in a danger zone. But if you go down on the takeoff, you're done. You're just like you're in dry reef. You're low tide. You're just like oh. Oh, so it's it's more consequence than cloud break, huh? Um, depends, you know. Like cloud break, luckily when it's luckily and unluckily when it's bigger, you know, you're in a little deeper water. You're not necessarily going to get pushed completely into the dry reef, you know. But actually, the few days that uh, when we were out, when those four footed four foot days, you know, and low tide, and it actually starts wrapping around even more on the inside. And starts really draining off the reef, you know that that was uh, definitely consequent. You know, you just fall one there, have to straighten out. And now you're just like, okay, going around the lagoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you can make it over the reef. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you uh, while you were out there? Did you surf restaurants on the stand up? I think that'd be kind of no. Critical. We didn't. Like I said, yeah, it just wasn't that good. There was one or two days when it was real small, but it was just super crowded. So we just went to. Uh, the Motu Lefts, which some of the drone footage is from there. That was so much fun. It was like we have a home break over here at Hokipa. Just to the left, there's this spot called Lanes, and it's this this little left, you know, trade winds blow, perfect for a goofy foot and trying airs. You know, Matt Miola, you know, Albie, all these guys go over there and just do the most insane air tricks on their shortboards. But uh, super fun and, you know, kind of reminded me there of uh, the Motu Lefts. It was really fun. And then, of course, swimming pools happened a couple of days. Yeah, I, I uh, surfed with my kids out there at swimming pools. It was really tiny one day, and that was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, man. Um, what about back home? Where do you surf on the state? How much do you, how much time do you spend on a shortboard? I'm sure you do. So. Um, yeah, you know, I just I grew up shortboarding, so I always try to keep that. I just actually. Um, got a sprinter van, so now it's actually I have everything I need. I have my windsurf gear, I have two short boards, like four stand up boards. <laughs> um, I posted a picture on Instagram, just I have the whole quiver, so I just kind of play it by ear. You know, I know I know all the people out at the place I go, I live you know five minutes from Hokipa. Um, so go so mostly short board at point in Hokipa because more of a anything just I can do it and they don't really get too mad, but it's more of the monkey see, monkey do thing. Right. So I try not to go stand up out there too much unless it's like the smaller days. Otherwise, on the bigger days, I'll go out to lanes and that's a little more stand up friendly and like kind of where all the stand up guys go. And uh, that's just, that's, I feel like I can go out there big, small, whenever. That's, that's my little stomping grounds because I've just spent so much time out there. And uh, fun little left, nice little channel to paddle out, and uh, yeah, a really fun wave. Yeah, you know, that's a common theme um, from all the guys I talk to, which is everyone's accepted. I mean, that's on the show anyways. Anyone's accepted around their home breaks, but a lot of people won't surf in certain spots because they know it's not accepted for other people to go there. And yeah, uh, they don't want to, to bring thing. that out. Um, no. So if someone wanted to travel to Maui and stand up, are there places where folks can go and they're not going to get in too much, in too much hassle? Yeah, no, luckily Maui is, uh, you know, one of the better places actually for that, you know, not only do we have the most unreal, like it's all about timing, you know, you come this time of year, there's definitely a lot of spots, you know, there's this spot called Kanaha and, you know, you can go out there, any board, any kind. And now it's pretty much overrun by stand up, but, uh, you know, definitely a really fun wave, really stand-up friendly. And then it gets bigger on this time of the year on the North Shore, so not as many spots. But during the summer, there's the south side, and it's literally covered in stand-up from, you know, you come off the poly to all the way to Lahaina to, you know, all through Lahaina Town. You know, there's all these different waves, which is a huge, like, probably 20 minutes driving, you know, stretch. And uh, there's all these ways that you can go stand up. So no, it's definitely stand up friendly here. Oh, right on. Uh, I'm hoping to get out there at some point in the next little yeah, bit. Definitely have to hit Zane up. And Zane has, uh, I mean, if you're coming, definitely hit us up. But I mean, if you're any looking for anywhere to surf or gear, Zane's the guy to contact. His family owns the one of the better uh, surf schools, whether it's surfing, snorkeling, stand up, whatever, windsurf. They got it all. Yeah, they do I, it all. I'm only just a little a little nervous to hang out with Zane too much. I feel like I'm gonna get hurt. 
<laughs> he's gonna be like, "Yo, Eric, it's fine. Let's go. No worries. It's fine. Let's just charge." Yeah, let's go. You're good. No, there's a lot of water there. No worries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the tour a little bit, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, this has been a good one. I really, I really like this show. I'm gonna I got some stuff to work on after this. Um, you think everything's gonna be good with the tour this year? I know this year there was a couple events that didn't happen. A little bit of nerves around that. What are you hearing for 2016? Yeah. Definitely a lot of nerves happening. You know, it's already looking like a busy year. Not only, um, I just still want to continue, you know, stand up racing and training anyways. So whether everything happens, all the events or a couple of the events happen, I want to be prepared. So, you know, I'm going to be kicking off next year with a training camp like I did this year, actually, over in New Zealand. And then uh, I'll be staying there. I'll probably be for 2016 more. For the first few, you know, months, I'm a resident there. I'll be there for a while for the month of training, and then nice. uh, two weeks of the ultimate waterman. That's cool, man. Do you know who the invite list for that is? I know Kyle got an invite. He's all stoked about yeah, it. Yeah, super stoked for him. Um, Heck yeah. No, I don't know exactly all the different people, but um, I know they're entering more people, two new events, so it's going to be insane. What are the and, new events? Uh, uh, the two new events added on were prone paddleboard. Okay, it's going to be I thinking and hoping it's going to be like a surf race with those things okay. and then an underwater water you know fitness challenge it's like a 50 meter you grab weights run under the water for 50 meters come up and then swim back 50 meters fastest time wins oh wow and you can get breaths on the way there but you don't well have to i do mean it. yeah it's yeah. 50 meters as fast as you can and then 50 meters as fast as you can gotcha oh that'll be cool yeah That'll be and for folks who have not seen the first Ultimate Water Challenge on Red Bull TV, yeah, you can watch it. Check it's it out. A bunch of little clips of the. I, I hope for this year they'll do a longer. Uh, I hope so recap. too. They didn't. They couldn't capture it all. It was insane. Like we surfed some of the most insane surf breaks. You know, on helicopters checking, like on helicopters looking for. Okay, where are we going to have the contest, guys? <laughs> right. You know, just ridiculous. And then the people on the ground drive, meet us there, and they have all our gear. We just pull it out, fin up, go. Yep. Yeah, it was it was it was uh, a bummer. I thought that from you know a whole day's competition of surfing good waves or whatever it was, you'd get a two to five minute clip essentially. Yeah. Right. I mean, for sure. I hope we get a lot well, more content out of it. Out of that. The only uh, the only hard part was you know like some of the some of the days the waves were on and then they turned off real fast you know so we were like in search you know so gotcha um but um yeah definitely they're gonna they're ramping everything up you know that was the first go they've been trying to plan that first one even for the last i guess four or five years you know trying to get enough money because everything was taken care of we all got paid it was all high class really top of the line competition you know so they just had to do the first one. It worked, and now I think they're getting an even bigger budget. So, even bigger. Just start to wrap this thing up. Tell me who inspires you. Who inspires you on the surf scene? Who inspires you? It doesn't have to be just paddleboarders. Be any surfers, and then on the race scene as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, some easy names to say, you know. Of course. Looking way back, you know, you know, Laird, of course, and Chuck, they were kind of the engineers getting it all going. Dave Kalama and um, and of course, Dave will transfer both for surfing and racing for me, of course, uh, as far as his surfing is incredible. You watch that guy surf. He goes to town and it's classic and he still rips super hard. And then he's taught me a lot of great paddle techniques. So he's a big name for sure. And then. Just nowadays, looking at people that are really pushing the limits of stand-up and uh, in the surf, of course, is Zane. You know, he's sending it on all levels, and uh, he's just classic, that kid. And then uh, racing, of course, Danny, he's uh, been a mentor and, you know, look up to that guy just in all ways, not only in paddling, just as a as a person, a human being. He's a really cool person. I really like that guy and uh, enjoy racing against him. And, and then, of course, yeah, he smashes everyone and uh pushes me to paddle harder every race so yeah right on well final thoughts shout outs to to sponsors anyone you want to thank before we wrap this yeah. up yeah well just of course thank you i mean this is unreal thanks for the invite and uh you know of course to all the sponsors that make it happen for me starboard giving me some of the best equipment and then uh local company over here uh, mckenna 
uh, giving me a lot of support. And then Dakine, I've been with those guys forever for windsurfing and everything. So they've been sticking to it, making some of the best gear ever. And uh, Maui Jim's best polarized sunglasses, of course, and then uh, Future Fins, uh, keeping me flying on the waves and uh, keeping me straight on the race boards. Right on, Connor. Well, thank you very much for being a part of the show. Hope to get you back on at some point after some victory or some cool thing that's happened to you. <laughs> for sure, definitely. Yeah, man. Maybe uh, this winter we can uh, get a short clip for uh, one of my waves if I get a nice one, and uh, we can talk about that. Heck yeah, man. I want to see footage of you surfing out at, out at Jaws, too. For sure. I'll send you some uh, links or just go on my Instagram, check it out, Convax. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, how do people follow you? Convax on Instagram? Yeah, that's my Instagram and Twitter, Convax, C-O-N-B-A-X. And then, uh, of course, Connor Baxter, my athlete page, C-O-N-N-O-R-B-A-X-T-E-R. And, uh, yeah, just post. that's where I post everything pretty much. And, uh, yeah, you can stay tuned. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Stay safe this weekend. Get some good ones. And, right on. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Right on. It's cool. the Paddleboard Podcast.